0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
2: Hello, everybody, and welcome to College Football Unfiltered. I am Blaine Gilmer here with Donovan White and Josh Taylor. This is the show on the Believe Podcast Network and streaming on the 365 Sports YouTube channel that covers all things college football. And we're changing up our format here a little bit. As we told you last week, we'll give all of our previews and picks and things like that still on, they will drop on Fridays and on Mondays here, we're going to have a little reaction for you. So, excited to talk about some of the, the trends and things going on in college football. And Donovan and Josh, one one trend that I'm seeing is what's old is new again in terms of the teams that are having the most success here in 2021. They are running the football. After so long of seeing spread offenses and kind of basketball on grass, if, if you will, you know, just uh, high-scoring affairs, you got teams that are just using – Big sets of uh, linemen, extra linemen, tight ends, all the fullbacks. The fullback is back in that in that Georgia game with the using the defensive tackle Jalen Carter to block three people. Uh, so there's a lot of people running the football. Georgia, Michigan, all those things. Donovan that has to be right up your alley as a former offensive lineman.
1: You know, it's refreshing after you and you hear it from the NFL side a lot, but it's kind of snuck its way into college football of, oh, my gosh, like running game is dead. Defense is dead, right? It's a quarterback and passing the league game now, you, whatever. I think the biggest reason for that, honestly, is you see a lot of not necessarily uncertainty, but not proven stardom yet from top quarterbacks to the top teams. I mean, honestly, like Bryce Young's great. CJ Stroud looks better. Like, uh, you know, uh, JT Daniels is a, is a good quarterback, right? But you don't see like that superstar yet. So you kind of have to lean on your offensive line, and your run game a little bit.
2: Josh, you know Alabama even getting into the into the mold. Alabama's been, you know, since Lane Kiffin, who they absolutely demolished this week, came back, came over there in 2014 and revolutionized that offense. Man, dude, that popcorn. was wild. It was such getting, a good game. Getting that popcorn ready. Uh, no doubt. If if you're listening on podcast, uh, Josh is eating his popcorn in uh, homage to Lane Kiffin's pregame uh, pregame. You know. Faux pas there. Get your popcorn ready. Pulled his Terrell yeah. Owens, but even and he's Alabama, a little
0: bit more butter. Uh, no doubt, kind of like even, Lane Kiffin's coaching. But, <laughs> but even
2: even Alabama Josh getting in on just handing it to, to
0: Robinson and, and running it right down on Miss's throat. Yeah. He was a workhorse, and that's something that I said on the uh, previous shows. I want that old fashioned Alabama back, where they're running the ball, they're establishing a run game to where Bryce Young can feel comfortable and get the ball out where he needs to be. But yeah. Robinson, I uh, was kind of surprised because we talked about him having that rib injury. Didn't know if he was going to be 100%. Uh, Jason McClellan got injured with his knee. Looks like he'll be out for a little bit. Um, so expect guys like Robinson to get more, but that being that senior role this year, uh, and then some more Sanders who came back from his injury last year too. So I love to see it. I love that old-fashioned run game. It's a beautiful thing in the SEC.
2: No doubt. And when you can win in the trenches, guys, that is something that is a surefire way to bet on success. And when speaking about betting, guys, uh, we're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all your pro and college football action this season with new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests. Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, don't forget to use the promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V to receive your bonus from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available in 2021. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. So, we're thankful for Bet Online for sponsoring the show as always. And, you know, Josh, uh, Donovan, as we as I just mentioned, you know, winning in the trenches—that's something you can you can set your watch by every week. If you're able to dominate up there, Georgia and Alabama—they're separating themselves from the rest of the country, being able to do so. Um, we talked about. That Iowa front behind Tyler Linderbaum and just what they did of taking advantage of short field situations, but just powering their way through uh, Iowa, able to to take care of business. Even even going so far as you know, Michigan, Florida, other teams. Even though Florida lose, lost to Kentucky this past week, they've they've had a great success on the ground earlier this year. Teams are running the football to win, Josh, and it seems just like a, a you know. I don't know if it's an anomaly or just a and an, an adjustment to recruiting. They're like, okay, everybody's recruiting all these skilled guys, and, and changing. Maybe we should, you know, load up in the in the uh, trenches and try to reverse course a little
1: bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's more of like what Donovan's uh, selling. T- uh, was saying too, a lot of top teams were replacing quarterbacks. So you have to rely on some kind of run game so you're not just throwing your guy out there. Maybe you watch teams like LSU and Oklahoma. You know They finally got a run game going this week. But they were struggling offensively because they didn't have a run game going. And that's probably the biggest reason why LSU lost to Auburn this weekend because they could not run the ball. 33
2: crazy. rushing yards. That's terrible. <laughs> that's
0: coming from a school with a ton of running backs. that used to give me nightmares as an Alabama fan. It's, it's surprising and same with Oklahoma and you wonder why Spencer Riley was struggling for so long. They finally get a run game going and they barely beat Kansas State, but still it helps and takes off so much pressure on the quarterback because the defense doesn't know what you're going to do. Like with LSU, they know that Max is going to throw the ball about 50 times a game and they just load up the backfield. They dare you to run the ball because they know that LSU would not run the ball.
2: And let me tell you something with LSU heading into Lexington to Kentucky this weekend, a night game, that Lexington to Kentucky atmosphere after coming off of Florida victory, the first Florida victory in Kentucky in 34 years over there, guys. They're going to have a, uh, they're going to be really excited for LSU coming to town. And let me tell you something if a Mark Stoops coached defense knows, that you're going to be just dropping back and passing, dropping back and passing. J.J. Weaver is going to be all over him. That uh, Josh, uh, Josh Pascal is going to be there. DeAndre Square. Kentucky has a ton of guys that are future NFL players uh, that are going to make life miserable on LSU. The, the the thing in that game is going to be, okay, can LSU get rid of the ball quick enough and can Kentucky's secondary hold up in that one? Because you you guys mentioned it, Kentucky's – Uh, offense is so inept right now in terms of what they're doing if if let's say they do have a couple busted plays on defense and LSU jumps up to a 14-0 lead I don't know that Kentucky's suited well suited enough to be able to come back from that kind of situation but uh, the Kentucky Wildcats certainly have a lot to be excited about right now yeah, yeah, I just
0: I don't trust Levis enough. I I think that whole passing game is still new to Kentucky, and Will Levis is kind of just like the uh the professor just experimenting, kind of seeing what works and what doesn't work. Uh, luckily, I mean, what do you have? He was like seven for seventeen, I think, against Florida, like eighty something yards. So just not much there. But like you said, luckily you have a good defense to bail you out, and it helps when you can uh, block a field goal and return it for a touchdown. Also,
1: Donovan. Yeah, listen, you, we talk a lot about Kentucky's defense. I think they're good. And it's pretty crazy considering the, you know, they had a few talented NFL guys, obviously, Fix. Jim and Davis were watching. Guys yeah. Drafted. yeah, so quite a few drafted, and they just, I mean, just replaced like it was nothing a machine. And so LSU's offense isn't elite. I mean, it's not like the, the cream of the crop, but they're a damn good offense. We're going to find out, you know, what Mark Stoops and that Kentucky defense can do, right, against an LSU offense that. You know they're they're not as one dimensional. Well, I mean compared to last week they are compared to Florida. Um, they're they're not as one dimensional, right? Their run game struggled obviously uh, against Auburn, but they shouldn't be as one dimensional. So we're gonna see what Kentucky's gonna do.
2: Yeah, and Josh, we mentioned uh, you know in that Alabama Ole Miss game, Alabama was able to just to lean on that Ole Miss front and and run the football pretty much at will to get things going. I uh, think uh, B Rob had. Four rushing touchdowns on the day, I believe. 171 yards, yep. Yeah, he was was racking up the yardage and getting in there. So, I guess what it comes down to is is now, okay, so you've got Alabama that is able to now show that they're playing a a little bit different style of ball than before. So – that's one way to help out a defense that has had a little bit of struggles with Alabama. That's as you as you pointed out, is getting better and things like that. And you know they're going to get better uh, coached under Nick Saban. But if if Nick can run the ball a little bit more and have a little bit more time of possession than maybe he's had a couple of years, that helps when you don't maybe have your your defense clicking on all cylinders at times. And that makes Alabama even that much stronger if they have multiple ways to to beat you.
0: Yeah, and it, it helps when you have uh, short fields to work with, thanks to Lane Kiffin going for fourth down. It like On his own twenty-seven.
2: Time.
0: I mean, the first drive, he's like, "Okay, I'm moving the ball really well." We still get the stop, um, even though you know they moved ball all the way down the field. And then he, I guess he's just like, "Hey, I'm just going to do it every single time." I feel like the numbers, like the the statistics, say you're supposed to go analytic. for it. Yeah, the analytic part of it says go for it, but uh, Nick Saban just doesn't care about analytics. Um, but yeah, Jace McCall and going down really does hurt. Um, the run game, but they have a uh, Roy Dell who can step up, get more of a role And the same with Trey. Trey looked good. Like I said, he got that injury last year, cut his season short five-star recruit. Uh, as you know, it seems like everyone we have is a five-star recruit, but Trey's been one of my favorite uh, running back recruits coming out recently. And he looked good so far early in the season. So I think he'll get more of a workload too. Um, I think if I had to guess, they haven't said, I think Jace would be out likely for like possibly the whole year. They said it did not look good at all. So yes, that hurts. Um, but same thing with Chris Allen going down. It's just next guy up.
2: Yeah, and speaking of next guy up, uh, that Georgia defense. I was on the field uh, for the entire game. Got to cover it uh, versus versus Arkansas over there, and just seeing those guys in person, wave after wave, uh, come onto the field. You know, they're rolling in Jalen Carter in there with the second team. Uh, uh, to come in on defense, and it's just you know him and Trayvon Walker uh, aren't even really starters for Georgia, and they're just in there wreaking havoc against an Arkansas team that has been exciting and has quality wins over a team like Texas, uh, over a team like a Texas A&M, even though Texas A&M's uh, struggling with some things right now. But um, Donovan, I think that you know Arkansas like I said they beat Texas and I think Texas is a team that could potentially win the big 12 and we'll talk get into that in our previews this later this week but uh, just how impressive was that defensive performance by Georgia because Arkansas is no slouch with those five
1: returning starters they have from last year up front. Well I mean again Arkansas 162 total yards of offense against Georgia. We know Georgia's defense is clearly the best in the country. Some people might say Iowa but you know to your point, Georgia's athletes, right, and their talent on that side of the ball is just out of this world. And so to shut them down like that, right? It, it, to see Arkansas, and again, I, I think a lot of it was the play calling, right? I don't, I don't understand a lot of the Arkansas play calling wasn't creative, right? Didn't have any juice to it. That being said, even if it, when it did, or when it was simple zone plays or some power plays or whatever, Georgia shut them down, right? They, they, they sma- I mean, they just, it was smash mouth football. They shut the offensive line down. They made the quarterback play scared. They made the running backs have no openings, receivers couldn't. I mean, nothing was going right uh, for Arkansas on the offensive ball, and everything was going right for Georgia.
2: Well, when you have a defensive front that can beat your. So when you're the offensive line, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're an offensive coach and you're calling a game and you see. Okay, they've got one, two, three, sometimes one, two, three, four up front on the defense. And those three or four are defeating your five regularly with less numbers. It makes it seem like they're playing defense with 12 or 13 guys out there because now they've got guys in the secondary that are double and covered, double covering people, all that kind of stuff. And uh, there's just so much team speed out there that uh, it certainly seems right now that. It's inevitable that Georgia and Alabama are going to be facing each other in SEC championship. And then, of course, you've got Kentucky, and I would say, even say Auburn. Are, those are the only other two teams that are really uh, capable of being flies in the ointment at this point, just because of. And Georgia's about to end those hopes for Auburn this upcoming week. We'll get <laughs> oh, to yeah. that. We'll get to that uh, later on. But speaking of hopes ended, we got to talk about the Pac-12 guys. Uh, Oregon goes down to Stanford. That is it for the Pac-12. There will be no playoff, uh, yeah, you know. UCLA team. goes
0: down to Arizona State. They're UCLA the, the
2: I just don't. I just don't think there's any way, any scenario in which a Pac-12 team gets into the playoffs once again.
0: Yeah, and the Oregon game, it was weird. You know, uh, C.J. Verdell goes down. They're battling back from that. They were down – seemed like most of the game because I – I had some money on Oregon um, and Stanford is up the whole game. And they finally come back. And then just the weird kooky uh, Kayvon Thibodeau targeting, which I didn't agree with at all. It's like he gets ejected. That helps them out. And then the flag in the end zone, like the untimed down just so much. Like it just went completely against Oregon's way at the very end there. It was just one of those weird, crazy games. Where like uh, it doesn't really feel like, like it was a fair turnout for Oregon it kind of felt bad for him just because so many things were going wrong for him and they were still fighting to try to stay undefeated stay in the top five and then Stanford uh, and McKee he's been balling lately that's someone who might be getting some more national attention to at quarterback uh, from Stanford over there he's on my list now so I was impressed by him but still you just feel so bad for him because everything that could go bad for them did and the Pac-12 is completely done.
2: Yeah, Donovan, you know, when we're talking about the Pac-12, Oregon, like we said, Oregon goes down, UCLA goes down, those chances are kind of out the window now, even though early on in the year we thought, oh, UCLA beat LSU, but it turns out that LSU victory is not a quality victory now anyways. Um, With the Pac-12 going down, Donovan, we're now going to see the Pac-12 and the ACC entirely left out of this, the Big 12's hanging on by a thread, you know, we'll talk about the Big 12 here in just a minute. Uh, with what's coming up this upcoming weekend, but what does that do to the state of college football? In your opinion, Donovan, when you got coast on, on both coasts, two prominent
1: uh, conferences that are just eliminated from contention on by week five? Well, it speaks a lot of where you know the balance of power is right now, and uh, and it's one thing where it's just kind of a season, maybe even two seasons, where you see that, but this is consistently, especially with the Pac-12 you see this kind of thinning of the herd, And the problem for Oregon is, you know, they dropped down to, I think, eight in the AP poll that was released today. They don't play anyone else on their schedule, right? There's no reason that they probably should move up, right? Because other teams are going to play better teams, they're going to win or other teams are going to lose. They're just going to jump ahead of them, right? And the ACC, you don't have, you know, a dominant team in there. Like I mean, we thought there was going to be a couple of teams, UNC and Clemson that, you know, would be at the top or maybe UNC had a shot, and then, again, the Big 12 hanging on by a threat. It shifts the balance of power, obviously, into the SEC and the Big Ten right now and into teams that we're not so much expecting, like, like Cincinnati, right? That Cincinnati jumping to the top five. So it's interesting to see how this is shaping out, especially with all the talk of alliances, right? And who's going to join what conference and who's going to go where? So it, it's interesting to watch. I don't know if it's disappointing. It's just It's more interesting than anything, I think.
2: No doubt, and I think, guys, you know, Oklahoma barely holding on to, to over Kansas State, 37-31, it's inevitable. Oklahoma will lose a football game at some point. They do oh, every yeah. year um, when they're not supposed to. And, I, you know, Spencer, rather, to your point, Josh, was much more efficient, 22-25, 243, tu- uh, two, two tutties, only one interception on the day they were able to run the football a little bit better, 131 rushing yards, but still that's a uh just you know paltry effort at this point. I mean, you gotta be able to 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 put up some rushing yards and really get things things going if you're those Oklahoma Sooners, especially with what they have up front, you know, the way they recruit, things like that. So you've got Oklahoma and Texas in the Red River showdown. Texas is a team that I feel is, you know tested more battle tested i think than oklahoma at this point oklahoma's struggled with two lane they've struggled with kansas state hell they've struggled with everybody they've played west virginia, uh, west virginia you know everybody it's been a nail biter texas went into a just hostile environment ran into a buzzsaw of an arkansas team that was clicking on all cylinders um they beat a good louisiana uh, lafayette team early on in the season a good you know, Billy Napier coach team that many people expected him to to lose to. And since the quarterback change, uh Texas, you know, seems to be getting things together. I know they, they had a kind of a uh, only a five point win over TCU, but at this point I I trust Texas more than I do Oklahoma going into this sh- uh showdown. What do you think, Josh?
0: I mean, yeah, they got a Bajan Robinson. Uh, (laughs) That's that's all that's all all need for a a game to win. So, um, the one thing I said, Oklahoma did start running the ball. Finally, Um, they had three rushing touchdowns. I think it was like 131 rushing yards against K State. But still, Skylar Thompson, who's not like a good quarterback at all, you could some would say like yes, uh, Spencer Rattler was efficient, but Thompson might have out like thrown Spencer Rattler. He was 29 for 41, 320 yards, three touchdowns, and zero interceptions. Like, he made him look like a, a bona fide stud. Skylar Thompson isn't by any means. Like, he's not a scrub, but still, Oklahoma's defense is what's going to absolutely kill them. So, Robinson should run that rock. Whatever. I don't know what his rushing yard prop is for betting-wise, but it's got to be over 200 yards.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, no doubt, uh, Ajahn Robinson's an unbelievable uh player, but you know, you speaking of running the football, you stay in the Big Twelve. The other team that has a shot at winning this league is Oklahoma State. Uh, be honest with you, I was dead wrong in this game. I thought Baylor, I liked what Baylor was doing. I didn't think that Oklahoma State offensively would be able to, you know, sustain enough, but they they had 24 first downs compared to Baylor's 10 first downs on the game, 219 rushing yards on the day. Again, if you're able to run the football this year, it seems like you're able to control the the pace of the game. They were eight of nineteen on third down compared to Baylor's three of fifteen. Uh, and the crazy thing is, Oklahoma State throws three interceptions. They did and, nothing with it, and and Baylor does nothing with it. Their defense uh, stands up in the in that in the face of adversity. There, Oklahoma State does. They won the time of possession battle by thirty four to twenty five, even throwing three picks. Donovan, when you when you win the time of possession and you lose the turnover battle by three. And you win the game by ten points. I mean, that is just a that's got to be a statistical anomaly on that that kind of outcome when it when it when the game plays out that way.
1: I think it's like every one more turnover that you're you're losing the margin by. Your odds of losing just I mean they skyrocket each time. And, and I think if you're losing the turnover battle by three, right, your odds of losing are they've got to be above ninety percent just statistic wise. This kind of shows like I mean I you know I thought we were going to account for Spencer Sanders at Oklahoma State making mistakes which he did. Right, I just didn't account for Baylor not taking advantage of any of them. Right, we know Oklahoma State's offense was that slow, steady, right, just you know, run down, you know, run the ball down your throat kind of offense, and yet they Baylor didn't do anything with it, and they dropped out of the top 25, rightfully so.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean Baylor had a a decent output from Abram Smith, uh, Josh with with 10 carries for 97 yards, uh, Gary Bohannon only 13 yards rushing, but. I mean they just they only rushed overall for 107 yards on the day. So I mean it just a just not a great offensive output by Baylor there.
0: They were 3 for 15 on third downs. You're not going to win a football game uh, going 3 for 15. And like with the interceptions it was three and out like every single time afterwards. Too like I remember watching the game. I had money on Baylor. It was uh plus 10. So it you know, it finished at 10 so I didn't lose or win anything so that that works out. But I was like, "Yes, you got to pick." And I was just like, "All right, <laughs> like, Oklahoma State just getting the ball right back. Their defense impressed me so much. They're so quick to the ball. Uh, kind of remind me of like how Arkansas plays. Like as soon as someone gets the ball, they're they're just going right to it, and they just didn't allow Bohannon to do anything. Who I was starting to gain more respect for. I mean, he's been flawless this season. Hasn't caused any turnovers, anything like that. And they just could not get things going with him at all.
2: No doubt. And speaking, you know, we've been talking about Big 12. Uh, we're going to get to the Big Ten here in just a minute, but speaking of the Big Twelve, a future Big Twelve team, who's currently a Group of Five team, the Cincinnati Bearcats go into Notre Dame and win, as we all yes, uh, predicted, predicted that they would. Here, um, I call this probably the biggest Group of Five game ever because of what it means to Cincinnati going forward. they they have no one on their on their schedule going forward that they shouldn't be, you know, heavily favored against. And uh, the Bearcats, you know. They they seem to to fit the bill of uh, and live up to the hype on Saturday, Josh.
0: Yeah, the thing that I loved seeing the most was Desmond Ritter finally stepping up. Like this is my guy in the draft, and he was the one I challenged the most this season. Like I want to see a passing game from Ritter, and he goes against my other guy, Kyle Hamilton, and two hundred ninety seven yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. And the thing was, the passes he were making were precise, on point, tight window throws. I mean, there was one uh, touchdown. And like the right corner of the end zone, Kyle Hamilton was like lost. And he threw it right over his shoulder, just dropped it exactly where it needed to be. And then one of the last passes at the end, it was like a a cut right across the middle, like 35, 40 yards downfield, right between two defenders. Like it was just beautiful, exactly what he needed to do. And he passed my test. And the thing I wrote down in my notes is like, if you win out, you're in. I don't see a way Cincinnati does not make the playoffs now because you have number three and number four playing each other. One of them obviously is going to lose. So Cincinnati is at least going to move up one spot. I don't see someone underneath them being able to like penalize Cincinnati's resume with the games they have left, which is not good, by the way. It's where it would knock them back down out of the playoff spot. So I think they're currently in if they went out.
2: Yeah, you know? and yeah, you know, Donovan, I was going to point out, when it comes to depth here on the on Cincinnati, that's the only thing that questioned me a little bit. They only had two guys all day carry the football. Uh, Ford and Ritter were the got only Alabama two. Alabama,
0: boy. That's all you need.
2: They were, <laughs> Ford, Ford and Ritter were the only two carrying the football. So, you know, I know that they're a talented team, but my question is, when it comes to a four-quarter game against a team, you know they get to that point of a Georgia and Alabama and Iowa, even maybe a Penn State. Whoever wins that matchup, um, if 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 an Oklahoma State by some miracle stays undefeated and is able to to run the table, do they have the depth to with, with you know withstand the 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 second third wave of? Uh, you know, like in basketball, there's a, a team. Good teams are always going to make runs. Well, in football, there's always that counter punch, right? That momentum that comes That's along, six
0: man. That comes off the bench. So what do oh, yeah. What do
2: you th- What do you think, Donovan? Does Cincinnati have enough depth to to garner that playoff
1: attention? Here's the issue. I think they do against certain teams that would make it to the playoffs, right? I think defensively, right? Their defensive line, I understand their group of five team, right? I understand what Georgia's offensive line just did darkens almost 300 yards rushing. Cincinnati's defensive line is better than people think, and they're more talented than people think. So on a defensive standpoint, when you look at them against, you know, a team like Georgia whose offense hasn't been as explosive, yes, I think they do. Offensive standpoint, no. They have no shot. I, I honestly, they have no shot, you know, depth wise. They're going up against Georgia or even Alabama, right? Alabama's defense isn't that crazy good, right? But they're just talented, you know, Ohio State's defense, who knows? You I know, mean, anyone can score on them, but depth wise, it, it, it's difficult because on a defensive standpoint, they have legit NFL talent and they have depth to it. But at an offensive standpoint, again, they got a legit NFL quarterback, but not depth among the offensive line or receivers or running back to compete against the elite teams.
2: Here's a scenario I want to throw out to you uh, now that we're going to move to the Big Ten uh, and we'll go in depth on these teams. But Big Ten, let's say this happens. You got Georgia and Alabama. Neither one of them lose until one of them loses to the other one in the ACC Championship. I think it's a consensus. Both of those teams are going to make the playoff. You know, Georgia and Alabama would both make the playoff if only if, you know, there's one loss between the two of them. And then what happens if you have Iowa run the table? on the West. So they beat they beat Penn State this week. They run the table on the West and they're they're undefeated going in the big Big Ten championship game. And then you have either a one loss Ohio State in there up against them. They Ohio State beats Iowa or you have an undefeated you have an undefeated Michigan, you know, at that point that beats beats Iowa. Is it possible you have two SEC teams and two Big Ten teams and nobody else gets in the playoff?
1: Yeah, I think the only, I I really think there're only two scenarios to the playoffs right now. Again, this is my bold take. Either you're going to see Bama, Georgia, Cincinnati, Ohio State in the playoffs, right? Just because again, I I'm an Ohio State homer. The way the schedule sets up, it is begging for them to be back in the playoffs. There's no reason they shouldn't if they went out. Or you're going to see as much as I hate to say it with the group of five team, you're gonna see Bama, Georgia, you're gonna see Ohio State, and you might see Iowa in there, or you might see Michigan if if Michigan runs the table and beats Iowa. Just because I get what Cincinnati's doing. But can you honestly say that Cincinnati would put up a better fight against Georgia than Iowa would? I don't think either one of them would do, or you know, do a good showing, or against Alabama. I mean, honestly, I I don't see any other scenario.
2: No, if, but but Josh does doesn't Ohio State's uh, you know. Case
0: overall get hurt because by that Oregon loss to Stanford this week. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and to me, like, talk about what Donovan said. I th- I like the big playability of Desmond Ritter. I think they were two for 11 against Notre Dame, but he had like four receivers that were averaging like 15 16 yards a catch. So, like, that home run ability, being able to create something on offense, Petrus has gotten a lot better for Iowa. But once again, if you're getting six interceptions on your defense, your quarterback better be playing well with that short field. He better be scoring touchdowns and stuff. So I just want to see more of this Iowa team. That's what makes this Penn State game so freaking good. It is, like, such a good Big Ten. This is probably the one I'm most looking forward to other than, like, Michigan Ohio State, what it seems like every year. Like, this is the showdown with just – exactly. Two dominant defenses going at it, and Penn State has a couple studs that I like, and Iowa, same thing. But – I just want to see more of Iowa's offense. I've seen a good bit of Penn State's offense. Oh. Todd Dodson, yeah, is a bona fide stud. He's possibly a top three wide receiver in the draft. So I think having those big playmakers on offense is going to help out a team like Penn State when you get to these teams like Georgia, Alabama, or beat in Iowa.
2: Yeah, but I, I just, man, I, I know that we when we were previewing that that whiteout game of Auburn at Penn state, we were talking about how it's going to be just slug fest back and forth. And that Auburn defense is nowhere near what Iowa's defense is uh, right now. So I'm a little bit worried. And, but like I said, we'll get to our previews and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Such a good week coming up, kind of doing, just kind of doing some uh, reaction stuff here and and some scenarios playing out. But um, definitely when it comes to the big 10, it's down to, in my opinion, I mean, you've got three teams in the East, Michigan, Ohio State and Penn State that all have a shot Michigan State of course is still undefeated you know you can't can't rule that out so it's it's a uh, the the Big Ten East is a, is a gauntlet I mean it's a it's a tough tough uh field that, that that all those teams are gonna have to navigate Iowa pretty much if they if they win this week guys it's clear sailing to that oh Big yeah i was just looking at the schedule they game. have
0: nobody Penn State has uh Ohio State, Michigan State, and Michigan. So, like, honestly, for the Big Ten, you're kind of hoping Iowa wins if you want like a sure representative or a better chance representative in the playoffs. Because Penn State, whew, that's a <laughs> that's a gauntlet coming.
2: I, I still think I still think the two best teams in the in the East, even with Penn State being there and Michigan State what they're doing, I think it's Michigan and Ohio State right there together because I think Michigan. You know, let's be honest. They've recruited well under Jim Harbaugh. At, at some point in time, it oh, had wow. to all start clicking and things like that. And I think Harbaugh has went and said, you know, to heck with it. I'm just going to run the football, and we're gonna we're gonna take on you know that tough tough uh, personality that that he has, and try to try to do so. And I think that's the only thing that has to scare you if you're Ohio State. I know that they struggled a little bit with with a Rutgers team or whatever you put in the in the notes, Donovan? But and Ohio, and Ohio State blew out Rutgers. But you can't do score comparisons at this point; all different kind of games. But is that the thing that that worries you the most as a as Ohio State homer that Michigan could just uh, take take advantage of Ohio State's defense with a run game?
1: My favorite time of the year is September, October. The the Michigan is back time of the year. It's been that way for the past yeah, four or five years. It was that like well last year. Feel, nah, feels <laughs> it like a, a lifetime. Feels like a lifetime of it. Right. Listen, Michigan's run game. It's 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 up there, right? It, it's obviously elite. Um I, I wanna see them play um some not as one dimensional, right? Just because you can't beat Ohio State, even with the struggling defense, and they looked better against Rutgers. And a lot of that, I think, was a, was uh, in fact what well, was due to the offense, you know, kind of stepping up, right, and CJ Stroud coming back. You can't beat Ohio State with a one dimensional offense, right? Even if their defense is struggling, you just it doesn't work. Right? It, you're not you're not Alabama. You're not Georgia, right? You're not. You're not a top elite team. I understand you recruited well, but you didn't recruit like those teams. You can't beat Ohio State even with a bad defense, one-dimensional, one-dimensional offense.
0: I'll say this. I, I personally made fun of uh, Michigan on the last episode just saying that they didn't have a passing game, and they said, well, guess what? Like We have somewhat of a passing uh, game because Cade went 17 for 28, 197 two tutties in the passing game against a good Wisconsin team, by the way, like, especially on defense. Their passing defense has been uh, – better than average this season so i think it's slowly coming on so that's what surprised me the most about that game because i thought it was going to be a low scoring i took the under on that game and then michigan just blew the door open on offense um and then hutchinson on the edge uh on that d line for michigan's another just bona fide stud so i'm looking forward to that matchup cj stroud's not going to like him too much
2: no doubt And then uh, you have your Fifteenth ranked Coastal Carolina guys down there. The last to kind of I'm talk about we, so, we talked we we talked about uh, SEC. We've talked about the the Pac twelve and ACC being eliminated. Big Twelve hanging on by a thread, uh, and then Big Ten seeming to be strong. It's just which teams are going to sort themselves out of there. And then you have that fly in the ointment there, Coastal Carolina. I, I don't know cool. that they have enough on their schedule there to kind of even get up into the. Top ten. I mean, if enough enough teams start losing, they may climb up there to around the. I think their high water mark would be eight, but it's just a true mark, true, true re, truly remarkable story uh, with Coastal Carolina that they're continuing to have this kind of success year in and year out.
0: Yep, Sean's up. That's my squad. Um, went to Coastal Carolina. They got some of my money down <laughs> down there in Conway, okay. um, but it's just it's so funny because I was down there um, in twenty fifteen when they won the College World Series, and their football team sucked. Like, it was so bad. Nobody went to the games. And then, boom, they start recruiting. They started getting big-name guys. And I feel like this is, like, the best team that they can possibly have because they're about to lose so many guys in the draft. But Grayson McCall running the run-and-shoot offense. You have uh, Javion Hiley is one of the best wide receivers in college football. Isaiah Likely, my number one tight end in college football right there with uh, Texas A&M the uh, name? Widermeyer. They're like neck and neck for me. So, like, they have so many guys on offense that can move the ball, and make big plays. I want them to play a good team so bad this year. I think they're better than what they were last year, which is scary because they beat a really good BYU team last year, lost to Liberty in the bowl game. There's just Who's nobody
2: bigger? on this schedule. I mean, Ar-
0: nobody. It's
2: Arkansas State, App State, <laughs> Troy. Georgia yeah. Southern, Georgia State. Hey,
0: Troy looks good. I mean, Georgia <laughs> <After> State, <they're... laughs>
2: Georgia State almost went in there and beat Auburn, you know, yeah. a couple of weeks ago. So we'll we'll see about that. But oh,
0: they're such a fun team to watch though, like on both sides of the ball. Like they get crazy amount of turnovers. Their offense is just nonstop. Grayson McCall is gonna be a great NFL quarterback. Like it's just they're America's team in college. Like it was Arkansas, but like the mullets and everything. Mm-hmm. The, just the swagger in Coastal Carolina, I love it.
2: They might become the, the Gonzaga of college football, you know. and uh, It does you know, get you'll, like that. You'll, 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 who knows? We'll see what happens. But, guys, I wanted to leave on one – before we go, I want to leave on one parting thought, and that is the the Florida Gators. Um, you know, a lot of people have been hyping up the Florida Gators. They, they love to hype up Dan Mullen as a football coach. Guys, do you realize that dating back to December 12th of 2020 – the Florida Gators have lost it. They lost to LSU 34-37 because of a thrown shoe. The shoe game. <laughs> they lost to Alabama in the SEC Championship. They lost to Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl. So, that's 0-3 to, to end that year. They start off this year beating Florida Atlantic, so that's 1-3. Beating South Florida, that's 2-3. Then they lose to they, they lose to Alabama. That's two and four. They beat Tennessee. That's three and four, and they've lost to Kentucky three and five in their last eight games. So how they're ranked that high? And here's what bothers me is every time Dan Mullen and Florida lose a game, there is an excuse that comes out of the head coach's mouth. They lost to Texas A&M last year. It was a COVID year. They're not supposed to have more than 25% of attendance in the stands. And he comes out with a comment. It sure did seem like there was more than 25% 25, uh, 25, um, in the in those stands, things like that. That crowd noise was was crazy. That kind of stuff, it really impacted the game. comes out after the Oklahoma game and says – you know our the the last game that this 2020 team really played was 11 days ago because they had guys opt out for the bowl game and all that kind of stuff just totally discounting that the guys he ran out there had Florida Gators written on the side of their their helmet and on across their chest and then this game against Kentucky a reporter basically asked him a question to the effect did you get out coached in this game and he said well i don't know we had 382 yards they had 211 he failed to recognize that deficit of seven in the points column that they lost 22 13. and uh, you know usually the buck stops with the head coach. So that was just real disappointing to me with Florida. I mean Donovan, you you played football in college if uh, it to me I would almost be embarrassed if uh, my head coach you know continually kept passing the buck or pointing the blame on something else uh, when you lose ball
1: games. Yeah, and it reflects within the team. I guarantee you those guys in the locker room, Are showing each other the tweets, right? They're playing those sound, those those recording clips of what their coach is talking about. And especially, like you said, I understand Florida, you know, still ranked right now, but three and five in their last eight games. Those players know that, right? It might be something that fans forget about, but the players know that they're three and five in the last eight games. And so I'm worried for Florida. I'm not worried for it. I hope it happens to them. I hate Florida. Right, they beat my Buckeyes. Oh, they they beat my guys on my tenth birthday. Right, uh, one of the memories I can't get out of my head. But I'm I'm interested in Florida to see how that reflects on them and what that does to them the rest of the year and going forward because they're on a slippery slope with the kind of head coach that they have and the comments he's making and just their trajectory right now.
0: Yes, yeah, smiling and Josh- after the game, going to the midfield to uh, meet. Uh, stoops like that to me, that rubbed me the wrong way. Seeing him like smiling and laughing after the game, losing, like I hate losing. Like in Madden, I will personally be just in a terrible mood. If I lose a game, let alone a head coach of a huge university in the SEC, losing one of the ugliest performances you could have.
2: Yeah. And Josh, you know, as well as I do, that Florida does not recruit already at the same level that a Georgia and Alabama do. And they're desperately wanting to get back in that tier of you know i know they beat Georgia last year in the the game yeah that's one out of what the last five years that they've beat uh beat georgia and went to the went to the east but that used to be a consistent thing for this florida program and the recruiting is the difference and when dan mullen is saying that kind of stuff out there kids see that they see okay (laughs) i see the difference between a, a nick saban a kirby smart a dan and a dan mullen Um, even elaine kiffin is as his antics and all that kind of stuff he owns it when they do something you know bad like they got their tail whooped yesterday he owns it you know i mean he's not he's not out here you know making excuses and things like that so uh, i think that's something that that dan
0: mullen really needs to look in the mirror on i gotta say we we lost somebody this week blaine and uh i think it it needs to be noticed and that's Clemson University, uh, yeah. unranked for the first time since 2014. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> One of my favorite stats here uh, for Dabo Sweeney, who's recruiting all these guys. Third passing game this season with no touchdowns in the passing game. How do you recruit a guy like DJ Uyungle? And this is his third game this season without a passing touchdown, and you're unranked. So, Dabo, I hope you enjoyed your uh, reign. Your Sunshine ain't coming back Deshaun Watson's not getting traded from the Texans, even though he's not playing. So RIP to Clemson's hopes of uh, ever being relevant again. As uh, our guy, uh, Paul Feinbaum said, I believe the dynasty is over Dabo. He, he should be looking at the NFL now. Cause it's, it's not getting uh, any better.
2: Yeah, they don't. And they do. They they recruit very strangely. I mean, they're very, yeah, they're selective. very selective. Yeah.
0: It's so weird. I've noticed that trend. Like he, doesn't go after top talents like Alabama and Georgia. He's selective, which. Well, it's not just that
2: they're very selective. They don't offer anybody until they're a senior or until they're going into their senior year. Also, they give people that they do offer a timeline to commit by. They will not host a recruit. If they're committed to another school, they have to decommit from that school to come host, uh, be hosted at, at Clemson university. And he stays very, very rigid in this kind of stuff and he's getting he's starting to get beat on these guys year after year and the re and he already was getting beat he was in uh clemson would finish 11th 17th something like that in, in recruiting not up in the top five like georgia and lsu and alabama and all these ohio state all these programs are just recruiting like crazy but the reason he was able to get by is like you said he had generational talents that he hit on back to back with deshaun watson and trevor lawrence and he was You know, unable to – he didn't pull the rabbit out of the hat this time with D.J. Uwunglele. It it appears that, you know, he's got uh, some work to do to develop him. The guy's got a lot of tools. I'm sure he can turn things around. He'll have a better year next year. But, But hey,
0: his team's got heart. He beat a backup quarterback, Boston College, by six at home. So, go Clemson.
2: So, like I said, that is our reaction, guys, a reaction show to a loaded week five We're excited about the preview show coming up that we'll be dropping on Friday later this week. We'll be talking about all your best bets, the the playoff implication matchups, Heisman Trophy contenders, everything uh, that you could imagine. So make sure to uh, subscribe and turn on notifications here on the 365 Sports YouTube channel. Also uh, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere you listen to podcasts, just search CFB Unfiltered. And this show, as always, presented by Bet Online. For Donovan White and Josh Taylor, I'm Blaine Gilmer, and we will catch you next time on CFB Unfiltered. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger.